Hello everyone, and welcome to the show. My guest today is Curtis Lahovich. Curtis is one of my best friends and he's an entrepreneur in the financial industry. Curtis and I dive into mentality and spirituality and this is a really great conversation. I hope you all enjoy it and please welcome Curtis. Thank you. to this since you asked me to do it and uh, man I'm grateful I'm excited to be here it's gonna be a ton of fun today yeah yeah man and uh, did you recognize that uh, view song at all I don't know if it's correct but definitely off, off tune it rings something I don't know what it is exactly maybe you can refresh for that Twilight Zone uh, uh, you ever watch it old Twilight Zone yeah, yeah it's about basically distorted uh, distorted realities and one one episode I watched was <laughs> Uh, this woman was in the hospital. You never saw her face. It was always, always from the point of view of her. And they're trying to fix her face because it, it was wrong. But then when they revealed her face, it looked normal like flowers. And everyone else's face looked like a, like, kind of like a pig. And that was like, so her face was ugly, not reality. And they're all beautiful. No, and then that, that kind of uh, reminds me of 2020. Yup. Because what, what are your thoughts on all this? <laughs> um... Interesting. It's uh, it's definitely a weird year. Nothing that was expected, right? None of us woke up on January 1st, 2020 and said, hey, you know what? I predict we're going to have a pandemic, equality stuff, Black Lives Matter. It's just a lot happening in, a, in one period of time. And what I just, my perception of kind of what's happening is a lot of people are waking up. People are starting to question things more than they've ever questioned things and realizing that things don't need to be the way that they are. So that's why we're having a lot of you know, movements and such right now. People are questioning everything is what it seems like. And, and it's the, the result is everything that's going on. So it's an interesting, weird, fun, new, inter- very interesting year. It's been interesting for sure. 100%. I believe a lot of those, those, those defining moments in history that changes the culture, changes society forever. I think we're almost living in that. So all the history we're living for that we never thought happened to us. But you, we all, you, you always mentioned that it was so easy for an outbreak of a virus to happen that people worked so hard to contain it. <laughs> it's very interesting that you and I did have that conversation quite some time before this happened. I'm, not, I'm trying to think of where I saw it exactly. Um, but yeah, I came across something, I'm pretty sure it was a video of some sort on YouTube or it could have been on Facebook. And essentially what they're talking about is how people work really, really hard to make sure that there's not a big outbreak because apparently it's extremely easy um, for a big um, virus to spread. And I remember, I totally remember when I had that conversation and then it happened and you reached out to me saying, remember this conversation. And that was such a mind blowing moment. It's very interesting. Oh, man. And yeah, I always play this game on my phone. I think it was called Pandemic. It's on your phone, you get a name your virus, they start by like bacteria, then you know different stages, and basically goal was to 
infect everyone in the world and kill them. <laughs> Interesting. Did you see the, there's the, uh, what was the show? Like, since Pandemic, there's a movie. I'm pretty sure it was a movie called Pandemic. Yeah. And my sweetheart, Kyla, and I, we started watching it. And in the first five or seven minutes, we were just so turned off by the, like, how sick people were getting and how fast. And it just, oh, you know, we, we watched it for five or seven minutes. We said, that is, it's, I'm not sure if you came across that. No, I've never watched it. No, it's pretty extreme. So along the lines of this game that you're playing, yeah. yeah but how's uh, how's work for you changed since then, since this year? Interesting. Yeah, great question. Um, we definitely had to pivot hard in a big, big way. We're I'm very much in a, a business of very much a face to face chance kind of business, which was at least my perception of it for a very long period of time. And then what we did, instead of just, you know, making excuses or complaining about what's going on, we just started rolling with the punches and we decided to pivot. And instantly we went from being in-person, face-to-face, shake hands kind of business. And we just went to 100% virtual. We started developing presentations that we could share screen with on a computer. We started changing rather than us being able to draw out explanation of topics where we would need to have a diagram and draw it out with our pen on paper. We developed that so we could share screen and go through with a, a, a client or whoever we're sitting down with. It went from being in your office, kitchen table, meetings with people in their houses, if that's more convenient to 100% working from home the last six months, which is a pretty extreme change when you go from face-to-face, in-office, in-person, suit up every day to rocking the the business mullet, right? To <laughs> Zoom meeting, party, business on top, kind of whatever you want on the bottom. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's people wearing no pants. Oh man, there's people having a good time. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and was there like an initial state wall or maybe dip in productivity or business when it, when you transitioned initially, or was it like, oh, I didn't skip a beat? Great question. Uh, it instantly got faster, significantly faster. Because we went from, like, you think about this, if we were to go do some meetings throughout the day, let's say I have seven meetings lined up and I have to drive from location to location to location, be in traffic, plan it all out, to now doing seven meetings, sitting in the same spot in my home office, sitting in the chair, and you do the back to back to back, no driving sign, nothing. It's more efficient, significantly more efficient. So rather than slowing down, it got faster. And uh, yeah, and of course, just during these times, everybody listening to this, I hope that you are safe and healthy during these times. I know it's tough for a lot, a lot of people out there, a lot of business businesses aren't doing too good. And, uh, and we weren't sure what would happen. And just through being able to pivot, being able to move into a virtual world, um, being able to do that, I'm just so grateful for how it turned out. Because instead of slowing down, it got faster better, bigger. It changed our overnight where moving forward, it's not going to go back to business as usual or in the business as usual right now. At most, I might go back to some meetings and kind of offer it in person down the road. But for the meantime, we're having a pile of fun doing everything online, working from home, home office. It's just been incredible. So it got faster. And did you ever think or did you ever believe you would be basically, I'm sorry, I was going to say productive at home, I was going to say productivity, but would you ever think you'd be at home or were you going to be working at home full-time ever? No, not a chance. That never (laughs) crossed through my mind. I didn't want to. I'm very much of a wherever I am 
is where I try to be mentality. Meaning if I'm at home, I try to be at home. When I'm at the office, I try mentally to be at the office, not at home. I try like wherever I am is what I try, where I try to be. And the first two weeks were a struggle. It was hard, man, working, working and not, you know, suiting up fully, doing a business mullet. And it was weird. It was fun, but it was really strange. I had a hard time with it the first two weeks. And then I remember just making a decision. I was like, okay, this isn't going to slow me down. I'm going to use this, find a way to use this to my advantage. And, uh, and we just pivoted hard and I made a decision that I'm just going to roll with it and it's not going to affect anything. And I looked at that and I said, how could this make our process better? How could we use this to improve what we're doing? And we just started running with it and we got good at it pretty fast. I'm grateful for it. And it's been really good. Yeah. And with technology, you know, being such a dominant part of society now, and it feels like, I think for majority of people, I think without knowing yet, I think most people are out of control with their lives because it's so easy. Well, when you open your phone immediately on waking up, easy to go scroll the comments, get angry, and and you fluster for the rest of the day, and you're, you're focusing on maybe the, what, what someone said online. And, and technology has become more of a, just more in our lives year after year, and we're eventually... Um, it's getting way more into the future, but we're eventually integrated with technology. But how do you feel? Because I know you, since being in entrepreneurship and being in business, you've dove into a lot of uh, spirituality, but also mentality and just how to be productive and, and navigate through this. How, how can people be more in control of their, their lives instead of just letting technology control them? Yeah, great question. I think a huge part of that is needing to take breaks away from it. I'm, I'm, man, just with what we do and just the world that we're in, we're very much in a technology world. So we need to take time to do those technology detox and do like go shut your phone off for a couple hours. Once in a while, I'll try to just leave my phone upstairs and just spend time with my sweetheart and her fur baby or little Nala. And, uh, and I'll try to leave my phone upstairs so it can be a hundred percent present with them, present with them, but I'll try to do those detoxes. A lot of the times it's just, I'll try to shut my phone off when I'm meditating or when I'm doing my morning routine and those kinds of things. So super important to take that time away from technology. Cause you think about this too, this is pretty extreme. Picture this for a second. Like how many radio waves come off your phone? Like a pile of them. Apparently like I'm not just like, I, I heard, you know, iPhones, which I have, are one of the bigger uh, emitters, if that's the right language, emitters of different um, radio waves and whatnot. You think of how much frequency is coming off our phone, how much frequency is coming off our laptop, how much frequency is coming from the router in our house. And we're constantly just in, surrounded by, guarded by um, way different frequencies, our waves, our cars, <laughs> radios, everything. It's just everywhere. So taking that time to be get out and and just detox from technology a little bit and radio frequencies, maybe that means getting out into nature. My sweetheart and I just recently went to Banff and got a little weekend getaway in Banff. And uh, we just want to go, you know, go hike up literally whatever we wanted to do, we did. And we just hiked up a mountain and it felt so good. Just the energy felt different being surrounded by that much wilderness that high up on the top of a mountain where we're not in the hotel surrounded by all the Wi-Fi frequencies and phones, everything like that. It was just different and it felt so 
clear and felt so clean coming out of that. So pretty important. Yeah, I think that's a good point that it's, it's something to that where as humans, being in nature and being surrounded by nature, it almost re-energizes us and revitalizes us. And these homes that we live in, these homes that we live in aren't they're, they aren't the long term. Like we haven't had this forever, just recent since we've been living in homes and it's comfortable beds. And we used, yeah. to, we used to be strong by nature. And for me, with technology, I turned off the notifications. And the reason for me is I don't want me to, if I want to go to Instagram, I want to go to Instagram. I want to be responding to a message or a like or a comment. And, and so that's how I come into technology. And I've been trying to get away from um, technology for, for the past few months. I, don't do anything online. And sometimes I don't even watch TV. I'm just listening to podcasts all the time. So smart, yeah, hundred percent. And you know, but growing up in a small town, did you ever did you ever think life would be what it is today for you? Or so even on a technology side, how technology is so advanced? Where'd you grow up, by the way? Yeah, good question. So I guess a, a little bit about me. And uh, so I grew up in a small town about two and a half hours north of Edmonton called Lac Um If you have heard of Lac I'm sorry to hear that. If you have not, you're not missing much. That's all good. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I love my hometown. And uh, I originally, I grew up on a farm in a little farming community called Rich Lake, about a half hour from 25, 30 minutes from Lac I grew up on a farm. And then uh, when I was about six years old, um, my parents divorced and my mom got custody. My sister and I moved with our mom to a trailer park and uh, to a trailer park just outside of a Lac and, and it was interesting. Like, uh, it, it's interesting going through that and just watching a true struggle, the struggle of not having money, the struggle of watching your parents pick bottles just to put food on the table. And back when you're going to ask yourself the wrong questions, why me, why is this so hard? Disempowering questions. And what's interesting is all thinking is, is the power, is the, the ability of, of asking and answering questions to ourselves. That's all thinking is asking and answering questions. And most people, and the quality of the questions we ask determine the quality of our life. Most people ask disempowering questions like you, like I was going through that time. Like, why is this happening to me? Why is it so hard? Why do these other kids have a better than you? And then we ask ourselves disempowering questions. We'll get disempowering answers. Then looking back, going through that experience, I'm so grateful. Because what I got out of that is I got to watch a person my mom do whatever she had to do to just provide for us, work really hard, work the extra hours when she didn't want to. And it was so cool going through that. So then growing up and then eventually I moved back in um, with my pops on the farm. And then, yeah, eventually um, once I graduated, you know, I went through, um, once I, I graduated, I went straight to the oil fields for a while and to go move rigs for a little bit. And, uh, and that was my experience in small town LLB. Man. And would you ever go back to a small town? <laughs> or do you already you sold out in the city like you know? That's interesting. I get asked that all the time um, by people in the city. And uh, maybe long-term, maybe retirement, but it's interesting. Small-town people come to the big city, and they have one of two experiences. Majority of the time, it's the one experience, and that's they can't stand it. Yeah. It's too big, too busy, <laughs> too much. Too much, and I remember moving to Edmonton, and uh, I loved it day one. I growing up on the farm, I knew that I wouldn't take over the farm long term. That's just not something I'm willing to do. Not something I'm interested in doing. 
And I always remember growing up small town. I was like, man, I always think to myself, there's got to be just more than this, right? Like small town is like, I just want to experience something more and bigger. So moving to the Edmonton, fast pace, vehicles all over the place, people, opportunities, restaurants open past 6 p.m. I'm like, this is my place, man. This is pretty cool. Um, but long term, uh, yeah, sure. It might be uh, might be an opportunity to move back long term. But for the meantime, Sweet Heart and I are loving Edmonton. We look at, we go look at some high-end houses all the time, sell ourselves the dream a little bit, go to the very high-end neighborhoods, the modern big houses with balconies on the roof. And we look at that stuff and we're just really interested by that, you know, city life. Well, I know I, I, I'm born and raised in the city, but I did spend some time in a small town, especially in uh, you know, Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. And I remember, yeah, Boxing Day, I'm like, hey, let's go, let's go shopping. Like, everything's closed. I'm like, why are things closed? <laughs> yeah, holiday. Like, nothing's open. I'm at the grocery store. I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Where in Edmonton, everything's open all the time. Doesn't matter what, what the weather is. People are just going, working. And it's crazy. So, it, and then further to, to also answer that, like, so like I'm saying, for the meantime, it's so awesome. I'm just enjoying it, not growing up with that and then having it now. I love it. There's always something to do and a place to go. The thing that I miss about farm life, small town is on the farm with the side to just go quadding through the bush miles from your house. You can do that. If you want to go hunting, you go do that. If you want to go fishing, which is my favorite sport on the planet, man, I could fish and catch nothing all day and love it. And there's so much more, you know, right? You're around so much more significantly more nature. I miss that I miss par- lots of parts of it. Um, so I miss that stuff. Or say you can't just go camping right away. You have to like plan it out and you can't just be on a lake with ma- 10 minutes after making the decision where in Lacovish you could be from one beach on one lake to one beach on the other lake within you know, five or 10 minutes. And it's just different. But for the meantime, yeah, city is, it's awesome, but it's just different. And yeah, but something to that, um, you know, people sometimes growing, not having everything. You know, for myself, I didn't mention this on the podcast, you know, I grew up um, pretty, uh, I'd say privileged, but I didn't have to work for anything really growing up. I was pretty comfortable. And but my parents just worked hard for buying for us, which is what you're, I guess, as a parent, you want to do for your kids, you want to give opportunities. And my parents, like, good on them, give me every opportunity. And for me, I first didn't take advantage of it, so I kind of turned out as soft as baby poop. <laughs> you know, you are a genuinely nice human. You know, words hurt and rejection kind of hurt, and struggling hurt, and I wasn't used to it. But uh, I wouldn't change how I grew up, though. You know, I, mean, I wish more people had experience with how I grew up. But I believe uh, maybe you can speak on this. But I think sometimes growing up in a hostel where you don't have anything, you're almost like callous. To the kind of struggle, and you're just growing up with a certain edge, which people like say who grew up maybe more privileged, you didn't have to work for much or give more things, don't have. Yeah, ooh, that's a great place to to go, and I am so grateful for my childhood and how I grew up. And like, it's, while you're going through it, it just seems like you're constantly asking yourself the wrong questions. Why is this happening to me? This sucks. Why am I going through this? I remember there's a time that um, I had a conversation with my pops when I was just graduating high school. I was like, hey, if I had to go through that again, just my whole childhood growing up, I was like, basically, I just, I'm not willing to go through that again. That sucked. 
And it was really challenging from the watching my mom struggle so hard, living in the trailer park, getting picked on all the time, all the time. Like I remember I came to school one time and I got bullied hard for because some buddies were doing some quotation fingers, some buddies um, were bugging me really hard um, and making fun of me openly because they saw my mom picking bottles, but they didn't know that I was put food on the table. And I watched that and I remember going through that and I remember I decided at an early age, like 14 years old, I said, this isn't how, I just knew this wasn't how it's supposed to be. And I start, and the older you get, as you're coming out of that, you don't realize how bad it, you kind of know things are bad, but you don't really realize. But then the older you get, the more conscious you become, you understand how bad it is. And you start comparing your household and your life to all your buddies that you go to and you realize you don't have it that great. And I remember going through that and I'm so, so grateful for my parents and ever and all the opportunities they provide for us and how hard they worked for my sister and I. And, and I'm so grateful for that because myself going through that, you know, living at the trailer park and getting picked on, I decided about 14 years old, I am going to get wealthy. I remember consciously making the decision. I was on a quad on a hill um, by the farm. And I just decided I was going to get rich one day and I'm going to take care of my family for generations to come. And I needed to go through what I went through when I was a kid to make that decision to take care of my family. So I said, hey, that's okay. If my, if let's say, for example, my mom won't be able to retire herself, I want to be able to because she worked so hard for us. And so, yeah, it definitely gave me and definitely gave a bit of an edge because I knew what I was running away from. If somebody grows up privileged, they don't know what that experience is like. They only know privilege and you know exactly what I'm talking away from. And then the other part of my edge came from my experience um, with my pops. I'm so incredibly grateful for that man. The most one of the most humble, down-to-earth, loyal, respect-driven people uh, I've ever met. I've learned so much from my pops. One thing that hit you so hard on me growing up, just like I'm sure your pops was hard on you, of course, right? And uh, intense. And yeah, my pops was always intense. <clears throat> always intense. Yelled out for this, yelled out for that. Little things would set him off. And, uh, and at the time, right, it just seems like, why is this happening to me? This sucks. He's kind of a, he's kind of a prick. <laughs> and then coming out of that, now having a new perspective and looking back, I'm like, man, I wish he, I, I, parts of me wishes he was harder on me. Yeah. Because what that gave for me that a lot of people don't have is strength at a young age that forced me to mature. And so I was able to make decisions that I wouldn't have made without that maturity. One was coming out of the oil field, deciding to go all in in business at 19 years old when everybody told me to quit. And because of my life growing up with my mom and how hard it was like growing up with pops and how hard he was on me, um, that gave me the strength to go in in life. And I couldn't be, I could not be expressed more gratitude to my parents. And I've never... Um, I, maybe I've said that, maybe I haven't communicated it properly to him, but I could not be mortal for my childhood and growing up. Oh, I, I, I 100% agree. And it's interesting how, as you progress through life, as you're a teenager and a young adult, you think you're, you know, more than your parents. <laughs> when you're a grown man yeah. at 17, yeah. You're on your own for the first all. time, and then you start realizing <laughs> the little things your parents yeah. actually do, how the lesson they try to teach you as you didn't listen or, 
and it's crazy. Yep. And for me personally, um, one thing through all this pandemic and going through, you know, trying to keep you know my mind sane essentially and knock off the bit because you know that being cooped up in one place all the time, you know, there's a reason why solitary confinement is a punishment. You know, death on your emotions. For me personally, a pillar in my life, like um, also a form of meditation, more or less, is in the gym. Yeah. Um, mm. I feel like if I don't work out a certain amount of days per week, that I know I'm off. Like, I so feel like grounding. Yeah, I important. feel like there's uh, for me. I almost uh, feel like the Hulk is like lurking underneath where I can like, snap sometimes. <laughs> and yeah. and first partly because sometimes I don't know how to communicate um, what I'm trying to say, but uh, well, I, know I, need, I know I need to hit the gym. In order to kind of keep grounded and keep sane and keep focused on, say, goals and keep motivated and energetic. I know you personally, and I know I need to start to, but you, know, you always bug me and always talk about meditation and how you meditate and always gives you, gets you clear on what you need to do and gets you, gets you clear on your goals. Yeah. So to piggyback off what you're saying too with the whole working out, it's so important if you think about it. So we are not. Um, human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings. Whatever you believe in, I'm huge on the universe, on spirituality. I'm hoping to be raw in this meeting. I'm not doing a business presentation like I do weekly where I have to perform, uh, do a message for my firm. Um, I'm just hoping to be real and raw and I, I hope some good stuff comes out today. But we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. So if you think about it, our bodies we need to take care of. Does that mean I work out every day, seven days a week? No. Does that mean I 24-7 eat eat quinoa? Right? Some, quinoa yeah, some quinoa and and eat lettuce all day? No. I love pizzas and I'm not giving up poutines anytime soon, that's for sure. But we also got to take care of our bodies. So right, we got our different hormones. We got um, we need to feel dopamine. Dopamine is the one that's the um, chemical that makes us feel really good. Like uh, we're feeling super excited, going to take over the world. And cortisol, that's our stress hormone. So if you think about this, for the last six months, if people aren't working out and they're just sitting home all day, I consciously pay attention to all the time to how I feel a lot more. I used to only pay attention to how I think. Once I started getting my thinking under control, now I pay attention to how I feel. And I can feel feel. I have some days, man, some days I'll wake up and I can feel my cortisol increasing. And I say, now it's time to go do a release of that stress hormone. It's time to go for a walk or a jog or a run. I'll grab my puppy and we'll go for a run. And I feel instantly better. But to answer your question with meditation, that is one of the most important practices. One of the most important practices I do and have ever done. So I remember about a year ago, um, this was not about a year ago. This was about a year and a half ago now. About just, yeah, just about a year and a, so April, May, just over a year ago. I'm sitting down with a buddy that I know and respect. His name's Ben Spangle. Good buddy for my firm. Doing extremely well. Him and Sweetheart did great things. Shout out. And uh, I'm sitting down with Ben. I just came back. So my sweetheart and I, we accomplished some stuff, some stuff in business. And we're like, hey, you know what? We've never taken a trip together outside of our firm you know, some trips that we qualify for and whatnot, Out, but a trip just us outside of our firm we've never taken once. We said, let's go to Mexico. I surprised her for her birthday with a surprise trip to Mexico. And we went to 
Mexico. She, cr- I got the tickets. It was not cheap. And then we went for a week and she bawled her eyes out when I got her, um, showed her these tickets for her birthday. So we went to Mexico. This is answering your question. Um, so we went to Mexico. It was the first time in five years. So picture this, the first time in five years, I mentally took my mind off business for an entire week. I went to Mexico and I decided I am shutting my brain off. So picture this. I didn't do any of my morning routine. I didn't, I wasn't, I was barely reading. I wasn't meditating. I was blah, blah, blah. I was doing, reading my goals every single day. This was just over. Oh, I did school fitness. Did you hit the gym? We went once or twice. I know once. Yeah, the next morning, right? Like, come on. And uh, so I came back. So it it was incredible. We deserved it. And we went to Mexico, came back feeling rejuvenated, but I came back and it was really confusing. I came back and I was having a very hard time getting back on the horse. I felt just so lost in my mind. I felt confused. I'm like, what do I focus on right now? Where should my attention go? What's the right things? What was I doing before all day? I just had no concept of routine and it was only a week out of my routine. I had no concept of routine. I should have t- I was like, man, I should have journaled what I was doing exactly day to day. But I came back. I was feeling a bit lost. I didn't have the juice inside me. I feel like my fire was out a little bit. Like it just wasn't burning, flaming hot, focused, super motivated, confident, and after it. I didn't feel like that. Like I was before that trip started. So I come back. And I'm feeling a bit lost, feeling a bit confused. I sit down with my good buddy, Ben, and I sit down with him. And this is a guy that's been on the pursuit of mastering his mind, mastering himself. When I sit down with Ben, um, it's very spiritual. There's a lot of meditation. Well, Ben's been on a ton of meditation courses. He's run, he's read a ton of meditation material, spiritual material, just a ton of just mindset material. And, and sorry to catch up, but no, I know there's a, sometimes some people have a stigma around personal development and mindset because they, they, they're associated with people just let's just be positive <laughs> and the way to just be positive but uh, for me yeah. first the moment is just um, actually being honest with yourself and being kind of having um, patience seeing what you're good at but also seeing where your weak spots are and then working yeah. on those as well so it's not just all positive it's, I think it's more optimism really. yeah just farting kittens and rainbows. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I make that point. No, no, absolutely. So I'm sitting down with him and I said, hey man, here's where we're at in business. Here's where I'm at in my life. Here's what I'm going through in my freaking mind right now. What do you suggest? And that was the most important meeting I've had in years. I mean, he's willing to meet with me. I said, hey, we got to get together. Would you want to give me some time? Well, because I know that you're also, you go to, um, to your shop here in Edmonton, I think it's by way now, but it is um, spiritual based meditation. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So we can talk about that too for a minute. Um, Claire IT is what I call it. It's basically a psychic tea shop. And uh, I'll talk about that. Good friend of mine owns and runs it, Chris, and uh, she's incredible. This establishment's incredible. We'll talk about that. I'm chatting with Ben. I said, based on where I'm at and what you see in what I just explained to you, what do you think I need right now? And he said, based on what exactly what you're telling me, you need to die. It's time for you to dive into Dr. Joe Dispenza. One of the most valuable conversations I've ever had in my life. So I went and got this book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. I said, what do you recommend? So I'm asking a guy that has what I'm looking for. Just 
control of his mind, control of his business, control of his himself. And, and he guides me to Dr. Joe. I, what do you recommend I read first? And he wasn't too sure how spiritual I was at the time. So he recommended breaking the habit of being yourself. And I grab this book and I read it. And Joe starts digging into a lot of stuff. It, the book is about what it says, breaking the habit of being yourself. Through meditations, he gets you to go out of way. Ridiculous. So good. And he gets you to dive into your past experiences in certain meditations. He guides you through it. And he gets you to go through old experiences that were traumatic. And he teaches you your mind how to get over those past traumas. And then I started doing going through a journey of healing, going through some crap that happened in my past, childhood, teenage, like whatever, just stuff that's happened in my life. And I started releasing a lot of this built up emotion, built up negative energy, built up resentment towards certain people. And I remember coming out of a, a series of those meditations and I just never felt more confident, pure, free, whatever you want to label. I just felt so good. The next book immediately when that was done, the key was I did every single meditation, every single activity in that book. I don't read to read. I read to grow. And that's something I've always done well. If I read something and it's massive value, I'll reread it before I move on to another book. Next book I dove into was called Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza, where now it's starting getting super technical with the meditations. He got me to do through one of the chapters. It's one specifically was on a energy center meditation. So we got seven energy centers in our body, one right above our head. And each energy center that's in our body, right? Super spiritual people, they might call them chakras. And uh, Dr. Joe doesn't like to call them chakras <laughs> because of the stipulation around them, right? People hear that and they think of, ooh, positivity, yeah. focus, focus. So we got seven energy centers in our body and each one is dealing with a certain organ. And uh, right, we got one in our um, our pelvic floor, one in our lower abdomen, one in our upper abdomen, one in our heart, so in the center of our chest, one in our throat, one in our pineal gland, one in our pituitary gland, in the middle of our head, and uh, the one above our head. And he got me to go through this meditation that I purchased through Dr. Joe's website called Blessing of the Energy Centers. And I remember I went through this meditation. He gets you to, he's guided. It's like, I've listened to a lot of guided meditations that were weak, not good, did nothing for me, weren't that good. I guess, what do you mean by weak? Like weak as in the like person guided meditations wasn't like captivating and you yeah. feel his, I guess, I guess vibration or energy. Yeah, kind of like, kind of like that. Like I felt like I didn't get a whole lot of resonating. I think the right answer there, it wasn't that, and maybe it was improper language. It wasn't so much maybe that it was weak. It was just that I didn't, that I didn't resonate with it. I didn't respond to it. I didn't feel great about it. So Dr. Joe was exactly what I was looking for. And I'm going through one of the meditations, blessing of the energy centers. And I remember he getting me to focus on each one. And he's thinking about this and the where this, this energy center meditation came from is he says, it was right in tune with talking about the law of attraction. I 100 million percent believe in the law of attraction. What you focus on in general form, what you focus on expands. What's important to you, the energy Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. The universe will bring you exactly what's important to you based on two things. What you're thinking about, what you think about, if it matches what you feel, you'll like, you can bend 
matter is essentially what Jay was talking about. Yeah, and I want to, uh, when I brought that up, is something called the RAS, the reticular activating system. That's, so again, the stigma is where people are like, oh, I just say what I want, it doesn't even come to me like this. But again, it's like, yeah, if something is important to you, if you value something, whether it be fitness or money or business, comedy, if, if something's important to you, you're just going to notice it more. It's the same thing as if you're driving a certain car, you're going to notice your favorite car on the road more because it's in your something called the particular activated system. So yeah, maybe you can trans filter, chat more about that and how that filters important things and how it's important to have yeah, absolutely. goals. Absolutely. So the, yeah, with the reticular activating system, RAS, Ed Milet talks about it all the time. Tony Robbins talks about it. They both talked about it in their books. Um, Awaken the Giant Within, Tony talks about it. He taught it to Ed. And it's really interesting. So yeah, our brains filter. We Our brains will filter in the things that are congruent with what's important to us and what we believe. For example, that the example you just gave, if I, I may never notice a, a red Porsche, but if I go purchase a red Porsche, I feel like every person in Edmonton has a red Porsche. It's just because I'm now noticing my brain's filtering in what's important. So how about your Chevy Colt, your Chevy that you got, the Infinity that you want? Yeah, exactly. When I remember when I bought my, my Infinity that I had before I wrote it off, I bought it and I feel like every person in Edmonton had the same car as me. I'm like, what's going on here? And then I, my Chevy that I got, uh, um, for a lot of the highway driving that we do. Yeah, I got that. I feel like everybody has the same car. People text me pictures of the same car, which is crazy. But anyway, so Dr. Joe was talking about how the law of attraction, I'm a big believer on this and a big believer on this because I've had a lot of experience in my own life with it a lot recently, a lot over the course of my life. I practice it every single day. We'll talk about meditations along those lines in a minute. Um, but he was talking about this. So if you look at a magnet and you put a magnet down on the table and you put a bunch of lead around it, you know how the lead around the magnet, it'll start forming in the shape of the force field around the magnet. You know how it comes up through it, around the sides, up through it, around the sides. Our bodies also have a magnet and he would show pictures in his book of a certain type of, not an x-ray or something, something else that can measure um, that can take a picture of energy surrounding something. I don't know if it works with the density of the energy or he mentioned the name of it in his book. Um, but it shows a picture and it's like, look at this picture of this person's energy we took. Boom. Tiny little energy. You could almost see like some energy coming from like within their body. It shows their body and they just see some energy. And then it said, it says, look at this photo we took immediately after they did a chakra meditation, our energy center meditation, and they are vibrant. So he said, we were able to measure it. And there's also our bodies work similar to a magnet where there's also a force field going through it. There's a force field going through it, through us and around us. And it goes through our energy centers. And then once it goes to the top, it goes around our body, up through, you know, keeps going around like that. So the problem is people haven't basically activated their magnet. So how do you attract something if your magnet doesn't work? So he starts going through it. I'm um, sorry, but like, wouldn't they even activate your magnet? Like, people just have an energy before they just aren't aware that they have energy force to Like, people are kind of quote unquote, like, asleep, or just kind of coasting through life. Is that what you mean by having activated it? Yeah. So, not consciously putting effort into 
strengthening it up through these energy centered meditations. So I went through it the first time and it was so hard. I couldn't even find my energy centers. Like he's like, all right, close your eyes to feel this part of your body. Here's where it is. It took me about four sessions and the meditation's 45 minutes. It took me about four 45 minute sessions to finally feel them all three hours. And I remember I was going through and I'm finally feeling most of them. And then finally, I for the first time on the fourth session, I felt the one in my pituitary gland inside the middle of my head. And while I was meditating, this is crazy. While I was meditating, focusing on it, he's telling you what to do, what to feel when, while you're going through it. And while I was focusing on that one, this, my head and my face, every muscle inside my head and my face started to sporadically clench and unclench. Like I looked like, oh, my perception, it looked almost like I was having a seizure. My head was uncontrollably shaking. And then for a while, like a minute or two, while I'm on that specific energy center in my head, and they said, all right, now release it. And as soon as I released the energy, it stopped. So what I realized is there's an energy block in my personal magnet and it was inside my head. And once I went through that, I felt so clear. My manifestations got significantly faster when I focus on something like my manifestations, the speed at which I would attract opportunities that I was looking for dramatically increased. So from there, because Dr. Joe even has one on on specifically manifesting. So do the busting of the energy centers first. A lot of times, once you're working, once you're clear, now he can get you to do, there's another guided one on that I bought off his website on um, visualization. From that book, I dove into another guy, also recommended from my good buddy there, um, Bob Proctor. And this book is called Born Rich. And the entire book, is about that law of attraction, but specifically visualization and how through visualizing that super power. Um, and it talks a bit about how the universe works, but through visualizing, you can start to attract the things that you need to achieve the things that you want. And he goes through example of example of people that he worked with in the book that there's a person that was in sales, bottom of the sales list of hundreds and hundreds of people. And he got them to focus on being at the top of the list the top salesperson and also got him to feel the feelings of what it would feel like to be that person. Do you feel excited? Do you feel happy? Do you feel blissful? Do you feel in awe? How do you feel? And you get, you can't just think it. You need to match the feeling. And once you match the thinking and the feeling of how it feel like as if you already achieved it, that's the game changer. So I came, I read that book read it immediately after. And that was in January when I read Dr. Joe's book and immediately after um, Bob Proctor's. And instantly from that day, I made a decision that every single day, I'm going to visualize my goals and the things that I want. And then picture this, a few months later, so I'm picturing my goals, things I want every day. And one of them was my brokerage, my personal brokerage business has never done $75,000 of revenue in a month. This is going to blow your mind. Never done $75,000 of revenue in a month. The most we've done was $58,000. So get this. I put down, or I wrote down, I just like Bob asked me to do in his book, Born Rich, he wrote down, write down this. I'm so happy I can now that, I'm so happy I can now see myself, blah, blah, blah. And I wrote down one of the things I was visualizing daily is I'm so happy I can now see myself 
my, I can now see myself doing $75,000 of revenue in a month. And I visualize that for about 15 minutes every single day as part of my morning routine. I would cut, like, what does it feel like to have that? And I would tell from that feeling, I would picture all the things. What would that version of me be doing? What would that version of me be saying? What would that version of me be thinking? What would it feel like to be that person? And I did that every day for about a month and a half, about 45 days. The month finished. It took me about four days to go to all the guys and gals in my brokerage and get their final totals of families that they've helped and business that they've submitted. And I got the final totals four days into the next month. We did about $75,200 of revenue. Wow. And it was a internal breakthrough that I finally understood what I was learning in those books. And I read, I let uh, Ben had me speak to his brokerage just on business stuff, success tips, that kind of thing. And I'm talking about power visualization, stuff that I learned because of his recommendation. And I told them about the 75,200. And at the closing of the call, when he was just thanking me for being on, he said, Hey, Chris, that all sounds good. You made one mistake. You were thinking too small. And that blew my mind because I realized I was thinking too small. So ever since January, I adapted um, meditations, different meditations into my morning routine. So about once a week, once every two weeks, I'll do my energy center one just because it makes me feel good and full filled with energy, like just clean and good. And I feel cleansed. And then, but every day though, every day I have my visualization meditations I go through. And that's, it's, it's an excellent point where, you know, where you actually take a moment for yourself to think about, again, what you want, things that you're are going for in life, whether it be say you're at university, you want to get an A plus on your final, or you're going to want to stop the mode. Well, first of all, gain the A plus, the feeling, as you mentioned, of getting the A plus, and and I think there's something to that where you know when I feel, you know, if I focus on me like a six pack would be this, I, I want to hit the gym and I want to eat more healthy, and I think and because I kind of read some books as well is you're, you're associating, first of all, you're seeing what you want, but then you're associating your actions to how someone who would achieve that result or as a result would act. Even, yes. like, even like a guy like Conor McGregor, who uh, without that one loss against um, Khabib there, who's uh, oh, a crazy fighter as well, That's cool, yeah. is, um, I think just time off, but he came back and hired, as mentioned, Tony Robbins, who is a world-renowned, I would say, a psychologist, um, what do you mean, mental coach. He hired him, even though he doesn't need to use his but hired him anyway because he wants to get better. And uh, again, mm-hmm. take, going back and, like as you mentioned, so taking your time for yourself, meditating, or, or I guess quiet time for yourself and focusing on what you want, and then, and then you should be, again, more focused and throughout the day, you see those opportunities. It's dramatic. So you can also hear in that how important it is to reach out to, up to people and have a coach. You can see how important that is. I reached up and reached out to someone 
And it's also important to take it, make sure you pay attention to who you're taking advice from. See, if you want to have a successful marriage, do you think that it makes more sense to take advice from somebody that's had four divorces? This is a little intense, but somebody that's had four or somebody that's had a 40 year successful marriage. Well, obviously you want to, want to, uh, you want to go to the person who has a successful marriage. You want to go to the person who's either living by himself, who doesn't have a, a woman or even a girlfriend, or someone who's just fighting with his partner constantly. Exactly. So I reached up to a gentleman that had something that I wanted in the area I wanted it in. Right? If you want to have a successful business, would it make sense to take business advice from an employee or somebody that has a successful business? Obviously, goes without saying. And I realized for a long time I was taking advice from the people, the wrong people, people that didn't have the things that I wanted. So Ben had something I wanted. I reached out to him, and it was the perfect time for me. And then thinking about this, so picture this: since January, so our company we do a so our company we our company does a um, a trip once a year. So it's about forty thousand licensed individuals in our company and our company takes the top 500 uh, couples to Hawaii every year. There's a six month long contest, a six month long contest. And with looking at it, you need about 200 in that six months, you need about $240,000 of revenue to qualify. And we were never close. Last year, I think we didn't even do half the revenue. Not even half. I'm pretty sure it was a little less than half in the six month time. So we were way off. And you were working hard too, I remember. And we're working hard, uh, becoming the people that we need to become. And since January, since I read Dr. Joe's book and I decided that I was going to make visualization meditations part of my um, daily routine, um, I, we started visualizing qualifying for Hawaii. This is pretty intense. Literally almost every single day, Qualifying for Hawaii runs through my mind. And what I was visualizing was and feeling was qualifying three months into the contest. So picture this for how extreme this is for a second. Not even half the revenue in the six month period. And now I'm picturing qualifying three months into the contest. So going from not even half to almost double the revenue in the lot of time and start visualizing this every day. And you know what's interesting? After a period of time, because all a belief is is a repeated thought. You think about something enough times, it will become a belief. It just feels familiar to you, right? And visualizing that every single day, eventually, it's just like I almost knew in my mind it was going to happen. I was just like, I knew, I, you see it enough times in your mind, it feels like you already experienced it. I remember, I, like every day, I'm picturing feeling my toes walking on the beach. I feel shaking the hands of other qualifiers, knowing a pile of people on that trip, but we've never gone where the company compensates um, for the trip and visualize that every day since January. And now picture this, we just com- we're just completed the fourth month of the six months and of the roughly $240,000 of revenue, we're going to update after the fourth month to about $237,000 of revenue with two full months to go. That's insane. Isn't that so cool? So, that with your so I'm grateful. With you focusing on your, your goals constantly, and you mentioned last year that you, your, your, I guess, expectations or you didn't meet your expectations more or less. How did your work ethic shift 
Um, like, did you feel that you were more productive? That you, you felt you're more on the ball, so to speak? That you because you were focused on, hey, I need to achieve this versus, you know, I know I have to, I want to hit this goal, but no, it's okay if I don't. Yeah. So you gotta see it in your mind before you hold it in your hand, and that going through that experience every day in my mind, I knew every day what I was working, waking up and working for. And of course, that didn't happen just because I'm, you know, just visualizing it. That was a huge aid. Of course, it happened because I got great people I work with in my brokerage, some incredible, hardworking, very skilled people, great at helping families. And uh, so I did it because of my, my team, my brokerage. And uh, But that was certainly helped because I knew every day I was waking up focused. I knew what we were working for. I never had a single doubt in my mind that it wouldn't happen because I obsessed over visualizing every day. If you just went somewhere every day in your mind, you just feel like your brain doesn't know the difference between reality and something you're just going through in your mind. But you could go through enough times where it feels like it was real, like you were there already, like you belong. And it was just the most surreal experience to see what just happened in the first four months. We're excited to close it out strong. So it makes us more focused. It made me more excited every single day, kept my mind sharp while we're going through it. And yeah, it did make us work way harder. We went from doing, you know, before COVID and everything happened, you know, about 15, 16, 17 meetings with families per week. And then now we went just during COVID for a long period of time, anywhere from 20 to 28, 29 meetings weekly, 28, 20 to 28 summers in there weekly for a long period of time. So we've sped it up. We're more excited through this. We're working significantly harder. And it was just a pile of fun this last bit. Yeah. And I think also it's important to pick something that you actually want. For example, you know, those are the type of people who are working jobs that they hate. And just leaves them unmotivated yeah. if you're focusing on what you don't want and you're focusing on the job, more or less, then what's well, going to leave you leave your tank empty, so to speak, but if you're focusing, say, maybe on you're pursuing, say, a career in acting and you just focus on maybe that YouTube video clip you make at home every night, I think you'll have a little bit more juice. And and I think it's just important to focus on you want, know what you want, and just don't be afraid to take chances. Huge. Yeah, you got to take risks. Like when I went into business, uh, man, it's crazy. A lot of people told us to quit. A lot of people didn't believe in us. I was a 19-year-old kid, right? I'm in the financial services, for those that don't know, right? Who wants to give their um, a 19-year-old kid their $300,000 RSP or $200,000 you know, trust them with their family's insurance protection, life insurance, that kind of thing. <clears throat> it's so interesting. And uh, so had to, yeah, come into business, willing to take a risk, didn't listen to the people that told me not to do it, only listen to the people that had the life that I want doing it. And uh, so be careful who you take advice from. But yeah, started at 19. It was crazy. Not a lot of belief. Um, in myself, not a lot of confident, confidence, but I had a dream. And the biggest decision I made is I wouldn't quit no matter how hard it got. But I remember going through that. I remember being 19, working hard, not a whole lot happened in second year. So 20 years old, I remember there was about six month time frame where, Hey, we weren't doing all the things that we need to do. We struggled for a little bit. There was a period of time when my sweetheart and I, we did, I didn't make money for about six month times being a young buck, not knowing what I was doing. <laughs> and for about six months, 
I remember um, my phone get cut off like five times. I remember just feeling like uh, I didn't have a whole lot of confidence. I remember um, my lunch every day and sometimes dinner was a uh, calorie shakes from an expired tub of masticator, and they tasted like shit. They did not taste like strawberry kiwi. That's for sure. It was awful, and uh, so I had. Ugh, it was not good. And I write $2 Whopper Day and Burger King's my least favorite place, but we hit $2 Whopper Day. I remember my sweetheart's tire um, deflated. It got a hole in it. And I had this little pump that I got for my birthday or Christmas for my pop. So grateful for this little tire pump, you know, that you plug into the, to plug into the dash or the console of your car. And I'm, we're, we had to pump up the tire every single day to go anywhere. Just looking like an idiot. And we were just willing to go through our story. We knew it wasn't going to be that bad forever. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, I remember waking up feeling like a loser every single day, feeling like, man, is this ever going to happen? But part of us just knew that it wasn't going to happen forever. And we just stayed the course, stayed on our journey, kept busting, kept working hard, kept, kept growing ourselves every day, becoming the people that we need to become. And then one day we just started finally getting things going. And I'm so grateful we didn't quit when times get tough. A lot of people quit too early. They go through some adversity. Things get challenged. They face get faced for See, I heard early on, look at everybody's doing. And if you just do the, I'll be okay. Most people go where it's easy. They go the path of least resistance where people are very successful. Nine to five. five. Yeah, exactly. Nine to five salary, a lot of things. And uh, keeping it easy. And versus you look at the most successful people in life, happy to successful, not just in terms of money, but of course I'm talking about that, but success in terms of money, but also happiness, fitness, like they just like the overall successful picture. They didn't take the path of least resistance. They took the hard path, the path a little less walked, the path where they got faced with a pile of rejection, where they wanted to quit, where they almost, where they were faulting on their mortgage payments, just willing to bet on themselves and just see what they're capable of. And then they eventually made it happen. So it's not about when things get tough, that is time to go for it. And we kept going for it. And eventually it started working out for us. We started making some things happen. And you know what? I think that's an incredible, I think that's an incredible message to end things off on, by the way, just Stay the course, go through the shit, and if you're willing, if you want it bad enough, it will happen. You can't happen, but again, you have to stay the course and see it every day. Absolutely. And I, I was looking at that, well, just in closing, I was looking at that, and I know you and I on the way here were talking about, you know, employee versus entrepreneurship. And uh, sorry, but by the way, like, people have the right ability to, hey, if you want to work a job and you love it and you have the feel that that's what you want to do. Hey, you have the right to do so. And, um, if people want to work, uh, be on Twitter and they want to push themselves and do something, something that's not just a regular job, then they have, uh, right, they have the ability to do that as well. Absolutely. And there's so many great places to, uh, industries have a business in that kind of thing. And, and of course, you know, being an employee isn't a bad thing. Being an employee is a great thing. We need employees or our world doesn't run properly, but I'll tell you what we need more of entrepreneurs, people not working at the bottom, people working on the top. And uh, we need more people. They take on more risk. It's significantly more responsibility. They feel like they got a weight on their shoulders all the time. But um, but it's, I found it significantly more rewarding. And I remember just asking myself some questions. And that's, would I rather somebody else control my income or would I rather control my income? 
would I rather have to walk up another man and ask them for a two-point family, or would I rather just give myself a raise if I want to? I'd rather have to ask for some time off for somebody else or just take time off, right? Would I rather somebody else control my time or would I rather I control my time? I was like, I'd rather control my time. I would rather control my schedule, the time that I work, the hard I work, my income. And I was like, right, would I rather work super hard? And when I was busting dreams in the oil field, would I rather work hard building someone else's goals and dreams or helping my family build goals and dreams? And that's some questions that got um, came into my experience. And I remember sitting there answering those questions and I just realized... I want more control of my life. I want to control over my income. I want to control over my time. If I want to take time off and just two days in advance, book a trip weekend getaway trip to Banff, like we, my sweetheart and I just did, um, Fairmont, Banff Springs. I just, I want to do that. And, uh, and we, we did that. I, it's so, such a freeing feeling, feeling in control of my time. Um, we would have, I'm so grateful. We're, we're so blessed. We've been having some of the biggest, literally the biggest income months that we've ever had. And, uh, through this from working from home, like it's just so much free. And I think of where would I be right now if I just kept moving rigs in the oil field? And the answer is probably in the same place, just not working, probably at home, probably laid off, probably no income and, uh, probably not being contributing, probably not helping people. Probably not owning, definitely not owning a business. I was thinking, where would I be? I'm so grateful. I took a leap of faith. I went to the business world. We just need more entrepreneurs, more people helping other people, more people willing to take risks. And if you got a dream and you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be a bit of a business owner, whatever the re- whatever the industry is in, it's time for you to make that decision and go for it. It's never been an easier time for you to grab your computer and start working and doing something. It's never been the right time. And the right time is never going to happen. You have to make it the right time. It's time for you to bet on yourself because your family, your future family, your future wife, your future husband, your future kids, your current kids, your future grandkids will gain if you just go bust it and work hard. But you know what? It won't help them <laughs> if you don't bet on yourself and go for it. Your future family, get your future generations of the hierarchy of your family to come are going to thank you one day for taking that leap of faith and just going for it. Whatever that's important to you that you want to do, go for it. And quit waiting. Like, quit sitting on the sidelines. It's time to just go make it happen. And uh, just go for it. The wor- What's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work out. You just go back to doing what you're doing. Who cares? But you, I, man, I am so fearful of passing away one day and looking at the role, the role play of my life, looking it over and seeing all the opportunities that I didn't take. And I'm so, I'm so sad to see the person I was capable of becoming. And I just decided not to become that person and then and provide the, that life for my family because I was afraid and wanted to be comfortable. And I'm so grateful we've been going for it. And we're nowhere even close to where we're going to be, which is super exciting. We're loving the process. We're doing the dirty, dirty. And we are just getting started. So quit waiting on the sidelines and just go for it. Woo. Thank you, first man. I appreciate you being here, brother. <laughs> I appreciate you having me. This was a ton of fun, and I'm I'm grateful for the experience. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. I hope you guys got some value out of this. It's a lot of fun for us to do. We're looking forward to doing this again. Hopefully, in the future, Peter will ever have me back. But I hope you got something out of this. I hope there's something that you can use, you can apply, and uh, and I also for 
forgot this. We talked about this in the middle, but real quick. Um, the place that I go to, if anybody's looking for maybe an entry into spirituality, it's a concept you're curious about. You're not sure about it. You're not sure where to start, what to start doing. What's a, what's a meditation? How does that stuff work? One of my really great friends, Chris, she owns a psychic tea shop. And they got a pile of different spirituality services inside there. They got this device inside a room in there called the pyramid. And you set it, can set it to a certain frequency. And because each of your energy centers, for example, have to deal with it, they emit a certain frequency. And you can go inside this pyramid and turn it on and it can go cleanse your energy centers. I remember coming out of that and I just felt so like super vibrant and like I said, a pile of energy um, coursing through me just to give you a weird little, hey, here's what something Curtis on his own time, just being super honest and vulnerable. I love it. And uh, so shout out to those guys. So if you're ever wondering your perceptions on spirituality like I did, and uh, and I just resonated with it well, I'd suggest go to Claire IT, walk in, the place feels incredible, the people are incredible, and just start asking questions. Just off White Avenue. Just off White Avenue. And just go ask them questions. They'll be able to guide you from books, things to read. But I sat there my first time going there for two hours, talking with two random dudes I've never met before, and they answered all the questions that I had. It's just a nice place. So if you're ever curious about it, I suggest going there and just meet a couple people. Say hello. Great. Thank you, bro. Thank you, Peter.